What's up, podcast listeners? We're back for another great episode of the podcast with probably one of the most interesting men in the world. He's done uh, radio talk shows. He's done cooking talk shows. He's done, I believe, I believe, I believe we talked I, We talked deeply into this on the, on the episode. He has the most viewed drum talk TV radio show, basically the, the YouTube channel that has the most amount of viewers uh, for drummers around the world. He also runs a, a digital marketing agency where he helps you know companies grow immensely le- by leveraging social. And he's just a really, really fun guy to talk to. Him and his wife uh, reside in this little town called Globe in Arizona, where they have like 96 kids or something like that. And they just love life, grandkids and, and, and stay tuned because we may or may not have a guest appearance of his wife as well too. But Dan is phenomenal. I really enjoyed having him as a guest in the show, and I believe that he truly, truly, truly is just one of the most helpful people. Reach out to him at any point in time. Obviously, his contact information is at the end of the show. And uh, Dan, I just want you to know that I am inspired by you. We laugh a lot. We have some fun conversations, and just keep doing what you're doing to make the world a better place. Thanks again, Dan, for being a guest in the show, and I hope everybody tuning in enjoyed it, enjoys it just as much as I did. Dan, thanks for being a guest on this podcast. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I'm honored. I really appreciate it. Where in the world are you? Uh, that's a great question because ironically, where in the world I am is called Globe. I'm in a city called Globe. It's a very tiny city in the mountains, 100 miles east of Arizona, and it's completely different type of living than my wife and I are used to because there's only about 7,234 people here. Whereas I grew up in Los Angeles. She grew up in the Bronx. We met uh, when I moved to Las Vegas 13 years ago. So this is quite different, but we love it. So 1,700 or did you say 7,234? Yes. So do you know when it goes to 7,235? Is it like that type of town? You know, you know when the newbies come in? We do because we see the moving van or hear about the new birth. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. So you grew up in LA. Give me, the, uh, give me the life story. Give me the background. Let's hear it. So I was born down the street from the Inglewood Forum, the fabulous forum. And the significance of that is that I was born at what used to be called Daniel Freeman Hospital the same hospital that uh, all the Lakers and the LA Kings used to go to and their opponents when they got injured. Um, But uh, more significantly, I grew up watching the Lakers play there and I saw my first concert there, which was a flash in the pan band no one's probably ever heard of called Led Zeppelin. And um, yeah, what's that again? I don't know what that is. Yeah, Zed Leplin. <laughs> and then uh, when I was very young, like not even a year old, my parents moved to the San Fernando Valley, part of Los Angeles. And I grew up there in the West Valley, um, was raised uh, with a younger sister by awesome parents who met in high school right before high school and were together until my mom passed away. So I had a great example of being parents and I wanted to grow up and be a parent. So I had kids early. I was 22 when my first child was born. Um, My parents were very supportive of my interests and my first big early interest was um, playing the drums. But I also had a big interest in science and oceanography. I wanted to become the next Jacques Cousteau. But uh, what happened was, and I really got into it. I, 
I drafted diagrams and drew pictures of submersibles and the cross section so you could see the inside. I watched every Jacques Cousteau special. I took a couple summer school classes on oceanography. But when I was 14 and my dad took me to see Led Zeppelin, uh, by the third song, a light bulb went on above my head and I thought, wait a minute, you mean this is a job? Like you could play <laughs> music for a living? And that screw the ocean. I want to play drums. That's basically <laughs> what happened. I had already been playing drums for seven years at that point, but it never occurred to me to, for that that could be a career path. So um, my mom was a little upset for a while, but she was also the one who exactly one year later found my first paid professional gig, which was as a touring drummer for almost an entire summer uh, with a a group playing at state fairs around the country. And at 15 years old, I was opening for sticks and seals and crops and heart and blue oyster cult. And it was an amazing uh, life during the summer as a 15 year old. And I got, came home the day before I had to stand in line and register for my classes for high school in 10th grade. That's when high school started in 10th grade. And it was like the worst feeling. What the hell am I doing here? And what do I need this BS for? I just toured the country. And, you know, it wasn't that I was spoiled. I just had sort of a different perspective. But uh, I powered through. And after during high school and after high school, I continued down that uh, musician path and eventually got away from music professionally and worked in uh, corporate America a little bit and had some other great career jobs and had kids and got married and then got divorced and got married again and had more kids and then got married again to someone who had kids and I had kids and then got divorced and finally got it right with my current wife, Enja. She has seven kids. I have four and we have 19 grandkids between everybody so far. So it's quite an interesting uh, that's the short version of my crazy journey so far <laughs> so, i mean so so like thanksgiving dinners and stuff like that you have absolutely nothing going on you've got you know no no grandkids to keep up with nothing like that at all you know what's funny is that um we've only had three in the 13 years we've been together we've only had three family quote-unquote thanksgivings and <laughs> at, at th only at three at all three of those not everyone could even be there because Two of my my two kids, two of them live in California, two of them live in Oregon, all of hers live in uh, Las Vegas. And with the jobs they have, it's just like impossible to get everybody together. So often Thanksgiving is my wife and I just doing something alone up here. I love that. So when I when I when I kind of jokingly said it's quiet, it actually is kind of quiet. <laughs> it is, yeah. But what we do quite often is we'll do um, Zoom, we call them family happy hours and we'll do Zoom every other Friday with whomever can get on and we got a bunch of the kids and grandkids. The kids are uh, 26 to 45 and the grandkids are 3 to 21. I know that doesn't make sense. I probably sound 15 on the recording, but I'm a little older. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So the uh, the 15-year-old you, uh, drummer boy, uh, was there, by the way, I played a, a little bit dabbled with drums playing nice. for my church growing up. So not not as talented as you, but I had uh, hit the sticks every once in a while. But um, so what was the... Uh, what was the best performance and what was like, uh, what was, what, what were you like, when was the first time you're like, yeah, I'm a pro drummer. It was 
when my mom found that audition for me for that tour and and then uh, they offered me the position my mom was with me at the audition and my mom asked a bunch of questions when he offered it to me and the director and then she said well i have to talk to dad and when they said we we talked to the other guy's name was dan also we talked to dan and we're gonna let you go do this and that's when i I landed. That's when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm a professional drummer. I'm going to get paid and I'm going to see the country and open for some of these big bands and play state fairs. And so that was it. I had previously performed, but as uh, in a a junior high school concert band. Um, So that was school. I didn't consider that professional. I wasn't getting paid. It was part of a school thing. And I loved it. I loved playing in concert band at school. Um, but what this, was your favorite type of like drumming, like my, or favorite type of music you play drums in? It, it has not changed since I was a kid. And my favorite stuff to listen to and play to is still, um, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Yes. Genesis, Peter Gabriel side stuff, Robert Plant side stuff, Jethro Tull, Steely Dan, um, King Crimson, UK, uh, it starts to, I have to really start to think after that. Like that's my narrow lane is actually a vast arc of different types of classic rock and progressive rock. And it's what I played back then. And it's still what I oh, rush. I got to throw rush in there. There's a few others, but that's, that's what I still enjoy playing the most. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah, lots of fun. um, you, 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 you kind of went through this, uh, uh, there, there's a there's a there's a leap there that I'm curious about. So you went from you know uh, free free uh, drummer to realizing high school sucks and school sucks, which I can relate on. To uh, well, well, that's not true. Edu- learning is phenomenal. The uh, institution of education. I have some questions about, but we'll, yeah. we can maybe maybe that's podcast number two and three. But then all of a sudden, you kind of subtly hinted and you said, then you joined like corporate America, and so I'm kind of curious the uh, the wild and free drummer hits corporate America, which is basically nothing more than a step out of the institution that we call education today. What happened? And not, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Yeah. I'm just saying that the, the, the linear path is it, it veers a bit there. Yeah, you're right. There's this hard right or left turn. Um, so when Victoria was born, my first daughter, um, I had started a business and it was doing carved and etched glass. I was art, very artistic. My mother was an artist. And uh, my dad did metal sculpture, but neither of them did that for a living. But I was just naturally artistic. And I had this pretty good business, but I was also still doing session work and playing in a band from time to time. And Marcy, my wife at the time, said, you know, with, with the baby, I just don't know if it's the best thing for you to spend that much time away gigging this and that. And Eh, you know, trying to use my uh, sensible side, I thought, yeah, this this makes sense. I'll just I'll put all my focus into my glass business. And then um, I was in a car accident that kind of messed me up for a while, my back, my sciatica, and it was hard for me to continue my glass business. So I actually paid a friend, my friend who taught me how to do that stuff, had his own business. Our places were in the same industrial complex. I ended up paying him to finish all the work I had contracted to do because I physically it was very difficult but then I, so I kind of needed 
I filed bankruptcy. I mean, it, it wasn't good. And I was very young. I was like 23. And my father at the time was uh, kind of a big wig with the McDonald's Corporation, the restaurant chain you may have heard of. He was the... No, I haven't heard of that one either. <laughs> Do they play Zeppelin Ladd or whoever that is? Uh, yeah, that band? it's, it's sort of related, a different franchise. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And my dad was the head of the training department for the Los Angeles region. And I saw my dad, who had to be a high school dropout to help the family during the war and all that stuff in the 50s um, when he was young. I saw um, him end up with a really great career. He was a self-made guy and he had killer benefits, was making awesome money, and he liked what I did. And so I went to him one day and I said, Dad, what do you think of me? following the corporate path with McDonald's and he could not believe what he was hearing. He said, really, are you sure? And we, we talked about it and all he did was got me the, the interview. And then I was put on kind of a fast track, um, training program to become a, a store manager. I worked for the corporation, not a franchisee. And, um, I did that for a few years until, um, what happened? And until I, I started to get more music work on the side, producing commercials and doing music for radio commercials and voiceover directing and voiceovers that I ended up being kind of leaving McDonald's to sort of go back to that and kind of went back and forth in and out of music until I just was out of music completely. Um, I sold carpet and flooring at a, the largest carpet and flooring store in the San Fernando Valley part of L.A. Um, and then I ended up being the national sales manager for a company that sold AV equipment and touring cases and stage gear. And that was a really fun job. And, and I'm still really close friends with the gentleman who hired me. Um, and, and then are you ready for this? Here comes another zigzag. I, I left can't wait. that job because I had an idea. I was, I've always been into cooking and I watched a lot of cooking shows and kind of talked to myself in the fact that I could do that. And I joined the local community access television station. I had moved to Ventura after the Northridge earthquake, got the hell out of the valley finally. That was 1994. Started this cooking show. And so it- I, I know you might not like this comment. Yeah. You're not going to like this comment. I was born in 1994. Oh, that's okay. So is my son, <laughs> Steve. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love people born in that year, especially Steve. <laughs> now you. Yeah, yeah. Screw this guy, but I love that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cooking show did so well that I actually was faced with the dilemma of I couldn't do both. And so I had to leave that really great job. And then I was sort of back in the arts producing my own TV show and being the host. And that's where I fell in love with the medium of video. And I ended up uh, directing and doing post-production for two other shows. And those continued after I stopped doing my cooking show. And then I got into doing corporate. I started a company doing corporate training videos, product launch videos, marketing videos, different things like that. And it's, it's funny that I did that for about 14 years before the idea of drum talk TV even came to me. I mean, here I was a drummer my whole life working with video now. And that idea 
was sort of born out of a roundabout way. What, what happened was I went to Australia for two weeks and I stayed for two years because I kept getting so much work from the charter yacht industry and working with the Sydney to Hobart yacht race. And my wife was only there for the first three months of that. And when I, I came back just in time uh, to take care of my father for the last 16 weeks of his life, I was his 24 seven caregiver. My mom had already passed on. But when, when I was done with that, and that was at my sister's house where my dad was living, he had added onto her house after my mom passed away. But I came home and I told my wife, Enja, I said, you know, I don't want to work with big companies anymore. Let's just work together. Let me be your marketing department and I'll make videos. I'll do all your marketing. And, and she's a professional artist and a seamstress and an art therapist and all this stuff. So she said, okay. And we did that for about three months or so. And she said, you know, I think you really need to find something that defines you, you know, that you really want to do. And I saw this thought bubble above her head that said, this guy needs to find someone else to play with, you know, like it was <laughs> a little too close quarters. And, and for the first time in my life, I was 49 and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And she said, well, why don't you teach drum lessons? You told me you used to do that. And when I heard her say that, I thought, yeah, I'm a trained trainer. I know how to teach drum lessons. I know streaming video. I'm going to start an online lessons platform. And I started Dan's drum clinics and had followers from, I immediately just sort of gravitated towards developing some really great marketing chops. And before I released my first lesson, I had followers from 64 countries and that evolved into six months later, me closing that and opening drum talk TV, which in the first year became the largest media company covering the world of drumming. We surpassed all of our industry peers by 900% combined in online reach and engagement. And it was that revelation that made me decide to open a company that would teach other people how to do this. And just for those who don't know, which is probably most people, um, what Drum Talk TV does is we interview gold and platinum artists, we interview popular educators, we interview up and coming artists, we interview some people that nobody knows, but they just have a great story. We cover events, we do documentaries, and we curate content from our fans from over 130 countries. Um, and when I started uh, my series of education and training of social media marketing and content marketing called social media on steroids. I started working in the music industry naturally because that's where my audience was and it was easy to kind of market it to them. But the problem is that most people in the arts and most people in the music industry don't think with the business side of their brain. So most of them didn't understand why they needed it or thought they were getting results. And so it was a challenge, but I, I worked with some great people, some really big names, as well as a lot of educators and people that, that were up and coming that wanted to learn this stuff. But then I, I ended up branching out and teaching this in other industries and uh, grew that business, which is actually called Advanced Social Marketing is the name of the business. Social Media on Steroids is the name of the series of my podcast, my uh, educational stuff that I, I teach one-on-one -on -one to companies or solopreneurs or um, open enrollment situations, things like that. I do a lot of uh, speaking to um, associations and things and then offer my course to teach 
to the different companies in attendance, one-on-one, things like that. Uh, and, and so now I kind of, for the last eight years, I've had these two um, full-time careers as the Drum Talk TV guy. I'm the executive producer, the host, and cat litter box changer. And then with uh, advanced <laughs> social marketing. Your I, most preferred title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> it is, especially if you knew my cat. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with advanced social marketing, I'm the one that has designed all the strategies that got Drum Talk TV to where it is, and many, many other clients whom I've worked with in different industries. And I, I'm the one that actually teaches and does the presentations um, and consulting and all that. And it's, it's just, it's been a blast. It's been a, a great uh, parallel universe. Those two things. And I love it. I, I enjoy both immensely. I really do. So let's uh, let's go back real quick. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, no, that was a long answer to. No, 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 no. This is exactly what I needed to fuel uh, the fire squad of questions. So, cool. um, the uh, the cooking bit. Were you a good cook or an entertaining cook? If you had to pick one. Oh, that's a great question. Um. So I bet you, you you know, not bet you, I know you will, I'll cook anything I could make. When I, when I think of like, when I think of like anybody who's uh, professionally cooking in front of an audience, I think there's either one of two ways. You're actually a really phenomenal cook or you're just really entertaining and you happen to cook, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, really, you know, good food. Yeah. So I'll tell you the, the way I see it is I decided to have the cooking show not to show off or because that's what I wanted to do. I, I did it for the same reason I make every other decision for what I give or teach or offer. And that is, I believed it had value. I believe that people could learn from me. And an example of that, Matt, is that when we were going to shoot the pilot for the show, um, I talked to a culinary school not far from me and and set up an agreement for me to film the show at their school in their commercial kitchen and a few days before that i totally pulled the plug on it because i realized wait a minute if if i'm teaching people how to do this in their homes but i'm doing it from some fancy commercial kitchen that has stuff they don't have that's not gonna work so i i decided I want to film this at home in our kitchen to really get the message across. You can do what I'm doing with whatever you have. And so I believe I was a good cook because I had things to offer for people to learn from. But I also knew about 20 minutes before the cameras turned on, I've always been a shy person. I know that's hard to believe talking to me for 20 minutes, but I, yeah, I don't I, think call number one or this 20 minutes have proven that. So, okay, now you're a liar. So keep going. That's fine. That's fine. So I, I realized I need to really suck people in through the television, through the cameras to feel like they're in the room here with me. So I found this switch that became my personality of the host of the show, which was called chew on this. And it felt so natural when I did it that I came much more extrovert. And so it, it was entertaining. The whole idea is that it would have, um, I wouldn't just show you how to cook something. I'd talk about the history of the dish, the etymology. We'd talk about nutritional aspects of it. 
and and where it comes from. You know, it was very educational, hence the name Chew on This. That's how we eat, but also it's thought provoking. You know, chew on it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How do you how do you eat? By chewing on things. So oh, okay, okay. I, I got it now. I got it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the funny thing is, um, ten years later or whatever, when I showed the first few episodes of Drum Talk TV to a friend of mine who knew me back then, he he said, "Hey, that's the chew on this guy." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "That's the chew on this guy. Chew on this, the cooking show you did." I said, "Well, yeah, that's me. I'm not trying to be the chew on this guy. That's me." being me, I've gotten pretty good at being me. So it's funny to watch both in parallel that, yeah, it's the same personality. So was I a good cook? I like to think so. People said so. And I thought that's what the value was and what I had to offer. But at the same time, I recognized I had to be engaging and had to be entertaining. Um, The funny thing is, is after the first maybe nine months or so, um, I ended up bringing on a co-host who was about 10 years older than me or so. Yeah, probably more, more. He was a friend of mine's dad and his name was Ed and his expertise is that he was a bona fide um, executive pastry chef. So bringing Ed on gave the show more credibility. I did the hot side. He, he did the dessert side, but he went to the Culinary Institute of the Arts in Napa Valley, which is the abbreviation is the CIA. Well, before he went to that CIA, he was in the other CIA and he had a typical personality of that type of person. So, so oh, so super entertaining, wildly good in front of the camera. I get it. I yeah, get it. Makes so sense. I, I was like bouncing off the walls and then it would be Ed's turn to talk and he'd say, OK, so first we're going to grease our our bunt cake pan and what we're going to do. You know, he's very just uh, methodical and and uh, academic, and we were like so different that that also helped make the show because Ed resonated with some people for his personality. I resonated with, uh, and I was oh my thing on every show was to try to get him to laugh. And the closest I got was I think I made him laugh twice. But if I could get him to crack a smile during an episode, it was funny because I knew he was laughing his ass off inside. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that means you legit. Um, so, so, uh, real quick cooking question. Um, what was, what would you say was the most challenging dish that you just, you know, nailed, like not on the show, but cooking wise, what, what would you say? Like a challenging dish to make that you stand, you know, above your peers in a similar skill. And then what would you say is an easy dish that is really hard for you to make? An easy dish that's hard for me to make. And what's weird is that I used to be really good at this and I somehow lost my mojo is I can't make great rice anymore. It just, it comes out too sticky or too spongy. Whereas it should, you know, the grains shouldn't always stick together and clump. You've been up. too busy making sushi, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I tell my wife, I said, Hey, you know, this is what we'll do for dinner, but will you make the rice? And she's got <laughs> it. She's totally got that. Um, one of my favorite things to make that my wife says I'm just amazing at, um, and I'll take her word for it. Those aren't my words, but I really enjoy making it and eating it is salmon Oscar. And I make salmon, um, seared in a pan. I make it totally in a pan. Um, I love when it's caramelized on the, on the meat side. And I love when the skin is basically a, 
very crispy chip almost that you could just peel off or eat off of and the skin won't stick to the meat. And then salmon Oscar, in case folks don't know, is salmon. And then it's got a layer of, uh, I, I grill asparagus in a pan as well. It's got the asparagus on it, then crab meat, and then Bernays sauce. That's our favorite. When it's a special occasion, that's what I make for my wife on her birthday, for Mother's Day, um, and all, all that jazz. And we love steak Oscar as well, but we hardly eat meat anymore. My wife and I have become probably 80% vegetarian, not for social reasons, but for dietary reasons. Um, and But we still will have salmon from time to time, and I love making salmon Oscar. I, I love that. Amazing. All right, so... Um we're going to move to, uh, we're going to move to, uh, the, the drumming thing. So if I'm understanding it correctly, you were kind of, uh, cutting edge of the live stream video. Uh, basically, yeah, the live stream may, may not have been literally live, but basically the, the, the YouTube channel or the live stream channel of drumming before that was a thing. Actually, not, not, not of drumming, but just like of education in some topic. And it happened to be drumming. Actually, I, I came on board to that when it actually was already established. And the funny thing is, Matt, is that when I told a friend of mine what I wanted to do and what Dan's drum, drum clinics was going to be, um, he said, um, oh, gosh, this guy's name is ex escaping me. Uh, um, oh, man, hold on. You'll have to edit this part, I think. What was no, bro. his name? It was um, – oh, uh, it was called Mike's Lessons. So he said, oh, you mean like Mike's Lessons? I'm all like, what What the hell's Mike's Lessons? He says, oh, my God, you don't know. And I, I can't believe I can't think of this guy's name right now. But like Mike Blank. And I'm like, I, I don't know who that is. Oh, it's just like you're talking about teaching different shots. So I checked this guy out. And this guy had like a huge following. And it was a paid online lesson platform. And Drumeo was born around that time. Drumeo is a huge online list. So I wasn't really the first, but I was the first to do when I started drum talk TV. And then a year or so later, when Facebook had live streaming, I was the first to do live streaming interviews. And, and now we have like, let me think one, two, three, four, we have five different shows that we do. One of them is mine solely. One of them belongs to completely someone else. And the other two I do with someone else, two different people. So that's four. How did I come up with five? Um, and, and those are live streamed and, and lots of fun. I love engaging with the audience. Uh, in fact, my show, um, we're actually getting ready to fire up because I needed to redo some technical stuff. And the last couple of months I haven't done it. I'm getting ready to fire it up March 20th so people could find it in the archives if, if you're listening to this afterwards and it's a celebration of Carl Palmer's birthday Carl Palmer of Emerson Lake and Palmer but with all the things I've done with drum talk TV interview uh, the living legends who are still alive uh, or at least even more at the time I interviewed them you know people I grew up emulating people I grew up listening to and learning from their music as well as countless other interviews and a few really fun documentaries we did. The most fun thing I do on Drum Talk TV is my silly, stupid show called Dan's Almost Daily Vlog. And the reason I love it so much is because 
I, I get to interact with my tribe in real time in the comments. And, and I just love that. It's just like sitting around a coffee table with some sodas, iced teas, beers, whatever your thing is, and just talking about drumming. And people chime in from all over the world. And, and it's, it's so much fun. And it's none of it is scripted. It's totally natural. Usually I know what I'm going to talk about. We plan the shows ahead of time, like Carl Palmer's birthday, for example. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And I realize, oh, I got to go down to the studio, which is here. Go down to my studio, get everything fired up. And, and I don't have a topic, so I'll throw it out to the audience after my introduction. I'll say, hey, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about gear? Did any of you discover a new drummer that you're falling in love with? You know, anything you want me to break down, demonstrate, talk about, and I leave it to the audience. And it's a very organic, natural experience, as is the way I've always done interviews. They've never been scripted, and anyone else who's done interviews for Trump Talk TV, I insist you can't use notes. No notes, no cheat sheet, no script. It's a, it's a conversation, not an interrogation. And, and that's the way I've done the lives um, interacting with my audience and it's a blast it's fun so i'm looking forward to coral palmer's celebration because that's some of my favorite music and the most challenging music for drummers to play as well i love that i love that i love that i love that and also as you know throughout the course of this podcast um i also sort of vibe with the organic style to me i think yeah. uh if, if it's too scripted number one uh you don't get anything raw number two if it just sounds like a broken record like let's actually get people out of their comfort zone not to not to make ever make them look bad but to actually get to know who they are and i think that's always way cooler than any pre-prepped thing yeah the spontaneity the organicness of it and and just it uh, it's there's no way it'll come off as rigid when it's organic like that. Exactly right. So majority of your non-drumming business today, yes. What is that? What is that practically day to day look like versus what's the big vision of what you're what you're what you're trying to accomplish? So my day to day is that on any given day it could be one of or a combination of the following. Um, I could be, now that we're not traveling, but it could have been traveling, I could be speaking at an association or a trade show about social media marketing, about content marketing, and then giving them the opportunity to study with me one-on-one -on -one with them or one-on-one -on -one with their team at their company. I teach a lot of this on Zoom. I've been working teaching online for years, so it's not new to me. I don't understand the concept of Zoom fatigue. I don't understand that because I've been doing this for eight years online, but I, I could be working in that dynamic. I could be working with a solopreneur who is a, uh, they could own a pizza store, pizza shop, or they could be life coaches, health and wellness nutritionists. Um, I could, I work with companies teaching them social media marketing um, at a very deep level where I teach them 12 two-hour sessions, then there's six months of follow-up where I'm, it's like a mentorship program. Um, I do open enrollment introductory things for about an hour to 90 minutes and then give an offer where people can work with me one-on-one -on -one so that it's relevant at a deeper level and relevant to their challenges and everything. Um, and then I also, we also provide the service as an agency. What makes me different from anyone else who professes to provide these things, whether it's education, training, consulting, or providing the service, is that I'm one of the very, very, very few who do it 
from the actual hands-on experience of getting tremendous results, let alone with the strategies that I've developed. Most people who offer social media management, administration, or who teach it, they've followed some blogs, they read some books, they read an article, they went to a seminar, and now they're doing it. And I, I come from actual, I'm teaching from the experience of getting great results. I teach exactly how we did it and how we've done it. And I also keep my finger on the pulse of all the big changes that happen. There's always a few each year. And I update everyone who's ever worked with me as well as introduce that into modifying um, the lesson plans. Um, so that I, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> I work, I'll, I'll yeah. give, to give you an idea of the broadness of it. I work with everybody from musicians to people in health and wellness. I've worked with leaders in dental tech, real estate, real estate training, uh, business management, people development, um, nutritionists. I mentioned that. I just picked up, oh, here's two completely uh, diametrically opposed clients. I got two new clients I've been working with. One of them makes pound cakes, any flavor, any topping, and they're made to order and she'll ship them all over the US. And another one is a one of the largest carbon fiber composite companies, and they make components and big tank wrappings for big storage tanks for water, fuel, and things. Their clients are the largest railroads, oil refineries, and uh, mines around the U.S. and even abroad. And so, I, I it you're telling me that a pound somebody buying a pound cake uh, across the country and selling to railroads is different clientele? No way. <laughs> Only slightly. The fundamentals <laughs> of of how it all works is truly the same. So when people say, "Yeah, but will it work for me?" I do this. I like answer before they even tell me what they do because, yeah, it'll work for you. The number one. There's two things. The number one factor is that you have to be open to it. You have to be problem aware and want to do something about it and not stand in the expert's way. Learn from them or let them provide what they need to provide. That's number one. Number two is exactly that. If, if you learn from me, it won't work unless you apply everything exactly how I taught it. I give a money back guarantee. I've never, ever had to give a refund. Does it not work for some people? It absolutely will not work for some people. Those are the people who have reinvented it because they're smarter than me or they heard something else or they read an article or their 17-year-old niece who's on social media is telling them to do a different way or they're lazy, they don't connect the dot. It won't work for you if that's you. If you follow exactly what I teach, I guarantee 100% you will get better results or I'll give you a 100% refund, whether it's my $2,700 course or my $15,000 course. And I've never had to give a refund. So it's important to number one, be problem aware and want to do something about it. And a lot of companies, um, you know, it's funny when we solicit someone like, Hey, I could teach your team this and that, or, Hey, we provide the service. I just laugh my ass off when I get the response that says we already have someone that does that. Just that answer alone means you don't know what the F they're doing because you didn't cite any results or how they're doing or what it's doing for your business. So unfortunately, um, there's this crazy challenge in this industry where I blend in with all the other knuckleheads who profess to do something that people have gotten burned by over and over and over. So this is why 
I truly need to go out of my way and bolster what makes me different. I grew an audience of over a million people and reached millions more people every month, 100% organically. I've never boosted a post. I've never paid for advertising. And I teach exactly how I did that. And some people might say, I don't need a million fans. You're right. You probably don't. But guess what? To get to a million fans, I had to get to 10,000. To get to 250,000, I had to get to 50,000. I crossed every milestone anyone could imagine that they feel would work for their business. And of course, would 10,000 new followers of your brand in love with what you do help your business? Of course it would. That's what I teach. So how much of your world do you feel like is the rich getting richer? And let me be very careful about the way I'm asking this question because I, I because you have had such a remarkable story of being a pro drummer, of uh, having professional talk shows when it comes to cooking, uh, to being a phenomenal podcast guest and some schmucks little show, uh, you know, in the middle of 2021. <laughs> but, uh, but, but seriously, my, I guess my question becomes like, You've now reached sort of a, 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 a critical mass standpoint that probably whatever you did, you would get a decent amount of follower base. So number one, do you, like, how do you, is that something you teach? Is that something that happens? Is that something, I guess, talk me through that because I'd love your perspective on that. So it, it doesn't just happen and it doesn't just happen for just anybody with a caveat to that. Um, anybody who's really super famous can attract a following, but can their content be engaging? And for everybody listening to this out there, go ahead and pause it. And I want you to go on Facebook or whatever your favorite platform is. I recommend Facebook. Look up your four favorite brands in any space. It could be music, could be food, it could be automotive, could be fashion, travel. Look up your four favorite things and look at, make sure they're legacy brands. They've been around 50 to 100 years. And look at how many followers they have, but then look down the timeline of their content and look how much is not happening. So golden platinum artists, a lot of them have big followings and some of them don't because this doesn't happen automatically. But even ones who do, there are many, many, many who do not have any engagement going, and that's important. So I, I don't believe for a moment that I could start a new platform and automatically have tons and tons and tons of followers. From the first day of Drum Talk TV, I've worked hard to earn every follower, and I think as time goes on, has gone on, I've kept that strategy to always gain new followers, but I have to work just as hard, if not harder, to keep the current followers following us, to keep them on board. Um, about four years ago, I almost sold Drum Talk TV and started um, a whole new lifestyle channel, which well, I was going to bring my cooking back. And I had everything in place. I I created the social channels, but didn't publish them yet, created all that stuff. And for all kinds of other reasons, that's another discussion. I decided not to sell Drum Talk TV and follow the food path again. But my point is, I knew that when I started the food thing again, it was just going to be like starting Drum Talk TV from scratch. And it, it was kind of intimidating, even though I knew how to do it. Obviously I've done it for me. I've done it for countless clients, but it, and, and at the same time it was refreshing, like, wow, I get to build something from scratch again. You know, once you've done it and you've had success at it, 
you can repeat it over and over, but there's still challenges. There's still heavy lifting. There's still blood, sweat, and tears, sometimes a lot more tears. And, and nothing could ever be taken for granted. No matter how much success you have, you, you can't rest on your laurels. The greatest uh, business people in the world with the most success will be the first to tell you, you can't ever, you know, look the other way or pretend that um, it's, it's always going to be just as easy or, or easy period to do. So I hope that answers the question. Did I stay on point there, Matt? Oh, absolutely. You for okay. sure did. I love it. Um, so uh, with all that you've done, what do you, uh, what like kind of legacy or impact do you want to leave? My biggest most important legacy and impact is that my kids really, really make sure that my grandkids and their kids understand who my wife and I were and what we did, who we serve and how it helped them. And most of that ties, ties into business. Um, but that, that's important to me. Um, the other part in a business sense is, I will sell Drum Talk TV someday, and I hope that I choose the right people to sell it to who carry on a great legacy and, and something of value. But I would love to for people to point to me and say, hey, that Drum Talk TV thing that's been around for 20 years, that old 78-year-old guy over there, he started it. He started it when he was 50. That's a business I started when I was 50. It's never too late. I'll be 58 in April 2nd. Um, so you said 20, you said 28. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's important. You know, I want, I want that to be a legacy, but also the fact that I've been, uh, I've I never went to college, but I am the leading expert in content marketing when it comes to growing a following and growing engagement and driving traffic for a business 100% organically, whether you make pound cakes or you're one of the biggest carbon fiber composite companies, or you're a golden platinum artist or a very popular life coach or health and wellness, whatever it is that I want to be remembered for that. I think for the main reason that it has helped so many people flourish and thrive with what they love doing. And that's why I started that because those strategies helped me flourish and thrive with drum talk TV. And it was that light bulb that went on that made me want to teach it to others. How many, how many experts at something also teach how to do it? I I think hardly any, but we do, we will provide it as a service or I'll teach you everything I know and you can do it if you don't want us as a service provider. I'm totally fine with both and I get just as much gratification out of both because I love seeing the light bulb go on above people's heads. I love seeing them apply what they do and send me the analytics and reports of how their reach is growing, their engagement's growing, the traffic they're driving is growing. Therefore, if stuff is together on the other side of that, their sales are growing. I love that. That's why I do this. It really is. It's it's the only reason. It's and I make sure it's fun. I give it a make the experience a very fun learning experience. I don't do anything unless it's fun, including changing Sage's cat litter box. But what about even like podcasts? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, podcasts, absolutely. <laughs> podcasts is as you probably know, Matt, is one of the number one ways for you to get your message out and and your ex and position yourself as an expert. Podcasting 
it took me eight years of saying, I'm going to podcast, I'm going to podcast, I'm going to podcast until literally recently, the episode three just came out today, it comes out every Wednesday at 6 a.m. That took me a while to get to. And now I am, I am a junkie. I am literally a potty mouth, not potty like pooping, but a potty mouth because I, I can't stop podcasting. I'm constantly three or four episodes ahead of the release date because I'm just enjoying it so much. I, I love sharing the information of how to do stuff for free. And if you can learn from me or learn from Matt or learn from Tony Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk for, with free information and apply it and have success, that's great. But I'm hoping that Matt and Gary and Tony, myself and whoever else, are, are convincing you that you, you need to learn from us individually, individual to your journey and your challenge. I mean, that's that's the beauty of of podcasting. It, you can help people for free. And it's also a way of showing them that, hey, maybe they need to work with you individually as well. And I, I enjoy it. I truly, truly enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, I love that. So my, my, my last question, my favorite question on the planet is, uh, what is Hello. it that gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, my my, there's a super ball just bouncing around in my brain because the answer is simple, but I want to make sure everyone understands how inclusive this is. What gets me out of bed in the morning? It truly is corny and cheesy as this is going to sound. It really is that the love for life, and what that means is that I am so infatuated and in love with my wife. I love my kids and her kids so much. And people, these are old people. Our kids are 26 to 45 and they're still our babies. And I love them so much. And, and my grandkids. And I love when I have time to garden. I love when I have time to build this this thing we're doing in our yard. I love when I get to just go into my studio and just play drums just for the fun of it. No cameras are on. I'm just in there having fun. I love walking. I love playing with my cat. If you look at my personal Facebook page, facebook.com slash dan.shinder, there's almost no business stuff on there. There's pictures and videos of my cat, pictures and videos of my cat, pictures and videos of flowers and bugs and lizards in my garden. Oh, and then pictures and videos of my cat. And huh, those pictures my... have got to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe stuff my wife and I are doing, but make a long story short, that truly is why I get up. I really enjoy life. And, and I implore you out there, if there's anything you're unhappy with in life, you can fix it. You could change it because it usually has to do with what's internal and not what's ex external. You have total control over that. And um, I, I I guess I hope that's a, the right answer. <laughs> There's no right answer, but it was a phenomenal one. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you don't get, if you don't enjoy life, why get out of bed? Oh, because I got to work to this, that. But why do you do that? To make money. For what? For the place I live. And if, if it's not your dream place, there's got to be a love for life tied into everything we do. Otherwise, what's the point? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I could not agree more. Um, so, Dan, for people that want to uh, either reach out to you about business, they want to, you know, smack talk podcasts, whatever, follow along, learn more from you. What is the best way for that to happen? The best way is to go to www.advancedsocialmarketing.com. 
And you can, if you sign up for my email list, you get a free PDF that is my six steps to daily success. Six things that you got to do every day with your social media marketing for business. But more importantly, you can learn a lot more about what I have to offer in the way of providing the services, uh, teaching. There's a blog there. Uh, please follow me on LinkedIn. It's uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Dan Schinder. And that's S-H-I-N-D-E-R. There's no C, no L. It's Dan Schinder. Um, and for drumming or anything music related, you could follow Drum Talk TV on Facebook where we have about 1.2 million people crazy enough to follow us. And um, you can also check out drumtalktv.com and we're also on YouTube. And I, I want people to feel comfortable messaging me through LinkedIn or advanced social marketing. Even if you just have questions, I think sometimes people are afraid to reach out because they're afraid someone on the other end is going to strong arm them into buying a program or something. I'm not like that. I don't want to be sold like that. I don't treat people like that. I love just sharing information. I'll book a free half hour session with anybody that's listening. Just email me at dan at advancedsocialmarketing.com and mention Matt Baxter podcast in the subject line. And I'll give you a free half hour session. Talk about where you are in your journey. What are your biggest challenges? I'll give you four big takeaways with no further obligation. I truly enjoy doing that because I have gotten so much out of the success of what I've done that I want other people to get success out of what they love doing. And I feel that what I have to offer can help. I love that. Well, thank Dan, you. seriously, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has thank been you. phenomenal. Thank you so much, Matt. It's It's been a hoot. And I happen to know that you're going to have someone else on that I know pretty well. I think so. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Ninja Omi is going to be on with you. I don't, I don't know the date of that, but uh, you'll have fun. She's, she's a hoot. She's amazing. My wife is truly an amazing person. So, hey, can, can, I, I, uh, can I give you an inside scoop or should we wait till we're off air? Oh, give it right on air. Every, okay. I think the listeners need to hear it. Okay. So my wife is still on record, I believe, as the youngest foster mother of New York. So you got to ask her about kids. My wife raised four kids on her own and had adopted three siblings the same age as her kids. She raised seven kids for the most part as a single mother. She's an amazing artist, an amazing I can do anything spirit. And she's she's just an incredible person. Um, you'll you're. You'll just be glowing listening to her. I, I can't stress enough what a happy place she is. So so listeners, please tune in. Listen to Matt with my wife, Enja Oni. It's a real treat. I promise. I love that. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. It's been my honor. I appreciate it. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at thematbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, 
or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way and don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.